And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The U, the new Miami, the new Miami, the new Miami, surge, surge, the new Miami, the new Miami, the new Miami, surge, surge. It's a cane thing when we walk through, with the U ain't no bark, dude, straight dog when we bring the fight, ain't scared of no bright Welcome back to the Wide Ride Podcast, I'm your host, Manny Navarro, Miami Hurricanes beat writer at The Athletic. And today we got a long episode for you. I know we haven't done many here during the offseason, but here's one that hopefully will hold your interest. Obviously, everyone who follows college football knows that uh, recruiting visits are going to start cranking up here next month, June 1st. NCAA obviously allowing students to step foot back on campus after a 13, 14-month span here where everything was sort of shut down. And, and so it's going to be a wild and crazy time. And I thought, well, you know what? Who would be great to bring on the show to talk about what we're going to see starting June 1st? Well, let's talk to the recruiting guys, the guys that cover recruiting on a daily basis. And two that do it for uh, the Miami Hurricanes and do it really, really well are Matt Shodell, a longtime veteran reporter uh, for Kane Sport over at Rivals. And uh, Gabby Urrutia, who now uh, is, is a younger guy, but uh, he's been covering recruiting here for Inside the U, the 247 Sports Network affiliate. I wanted to bring both of these guys on to basically give me their thoughts. They've been sitting here talking to hundreds of kids that Miami has offered here <clears throat> in the, over the last few months. He's gotten to know, they've gotten to know them pretty well. I've been out on the you know recruiting scene very limitedly because of the, the pandemic. So, um, and, and I do talk to kids, just not nearly as frequently as those guys do. They're putting out reports every single day. So I said, you know what, let me bring them on instead of trying to just sit here and, and pass off the information on my own. I'd rather get their voices uh, because they do talk to, to, to Miami recruits more than anybody else. So uh, I hope you'll enjoy today's podcast. Uh, I basically want to talk to them about, you know, how Miami is doing. They've only got one commitment right now in, in quarterback Ja'Curry Brown, the kid out of Georgia, the four-star quarterback. Um, and and they're going into this June 1st cookout on campus uh, hoping to impress a lot of kids in, in, in the weeks and months ahead. So we're going to get some perspective from Matt and Gabby. Uh, here we're going to start with Gabby first, and then we'll jump to Matt some of the questions I asked them are the same. I, the, there's a reason for that. I wanted to get each of their perspectives on it. Hope you enjoy. Hope you stick around for the whole thing. There's some really good information in there. All right. Welcome back to the Wide Ride Podcast. I'm Manny Navarro. Uh, today, we're going to talk some recruiting. It's May 7th, 2021, and we're probably about 23, 24 days away from what's going to be a really wacky and wild time. Uh, for Hurricanes football, for recruiting in general. That's, that would be June 1st, the day that the uh, NCAA is allowing recruits to get back on campus. It's going to be the first time in 13 or 14 months since this whole COVID pandemic started that uh, recruits are officially going to be allowed on campus to visit, talk to coaches, etc. So today's show, we want to get on a couple of experts, guys that have been covering the recruiting scene uh, heavily 
and uh, Matt Shodell from Sport, a veteran who's been doing this for two decades, and, and Gabby Urrutia from 247 Sports Inside the U, who does a phenomenal job. Both of those guys stay on top of all the recruits that Miami's interested in and provide you with all the little nuggets on when guys are visiting, what they think of each program. A lot more work than I have to do here at The Athletic. So I'm, I'm definitely lucky and thankful that they exist so that I don't have to do all that stuff and, and I can just sit there and copy it and bring them on as guests. So that's what we're doing today. <laughs> <laughs> and we got Gabby on the show. We're going to start with Gabby. And uh, Gabby, I guess, first of all, you're, you're a guy who's engaged. You're going to get married here soon. Yep. Congratulations for that. Thank um, you. But but you're almost your your entire life is is sort of regulated by when these official visits are going to start and and how you have to crank out news, man. What's life like been what, what's life been like for you here, uh, as you as you try to get ready for your wedding later this summer and then and then recruiting as well as well. Yeah, man, it's a uh, it, it's honestly been probably one of the wildest seasons of my life, just in terms of just trying to get everything ready. And, you know, just trying to the, just the balancing act of, you know, trying to get everything done now. So because I know once June hits that things are just going to be so crazy that I'm not going to have as much time as I might have right now. So it's been a uh, it's been fun, man. Honestly, I, I've enjoyed every second of it, man. I just feel so blessed and honestly, just really looking forward to everything opening up. You know, I got this job in the midst of a pandemic, so I'm not even sure what it's like to do my job in a normal recruiting world. So, uh you know, I'm really excited to to honestly just get this thing rolling. I think it's just going to be an awesome experience, and I'm I'm ready for it. Now, the, the crazy thing is that you know Miami normally the way this normally works, right? Is is the summertime is when a lot of guys commit, but you have a lot more commitments by now, right? I mean, Miami usually, I mean, right now as as we sit here recording the show, Jacurry Brown is is the only recruit committed to the Hurricanes, four star kid out of Georgia, quarterback. And what makes it even wackier is that. You know, it, who knows how many kids Miami's going to end up actually getting in this next signing class because they may end up holding some of these scholarships for transfers in the transfer portal. They may end up uh, rolling them over to to 2023, where, which right now, when you look at it on paper, it, it's probably a better class in South Florida than, than, than you know, this year in the 2022 cycle. Gabby, I, I want to ask you, you know, just initially your thoughts on, on what's kind of transpired so far, you know, with, with these recruits in terms of, you know, their relationship with Miami. How do you think the Hurricanes have looked in the eyes of the 2022 class, you know, locally, um, where, where, you know, in the end, that's where Miami has to win every single year. They got to get the best kids in their own backyard. How do you think Manny Diaz and his staff have done so far leading up to June 1st? Yeah, honestly, I mean, I think they've done as good of a job as, you know, they can do just given the circumstances of, of everything that's going on and all that stuff. You know, I, I think they're absolutely being a little bit more conservative with their approach. Like you mentioned, like, you know, at this time, most cycles, Miami has eight, nine, potentially close to 10 commits. And, you know, Miami just has the one right now. So, you know, I, I do think they're just taking a more conservative approach as, you know, they, they want to be able to show off their campus. They want to be able to get kids and look at them face to face and, and size them up and all that stuff. But, you know, I think just, you know, you talk to the guys around here, you know, especially some of the top local targets and, you know, it just sounds like, you know, Miami does a really good job at relationship building. It seems like, you know, Miami has really gotten to know these guys, gotten to know their families, you know, mom, dad, you know, uncles, like guardians, all those types of different things. Like you could tell that Miami really prioritizes, you know, just making the kids, feel comfortable with being home and just like that they are the hometown staff and that, 
you know, they can be there for them in that capacity where like, you know, they don't have to go super far away that, you know, Miami has been recruiting these guys a lot, a lot of the time been recruiting these guys a lot longer than most people have. So, you know, I do think that Miami's done a good job in that sense of just kind of being the hometown team and making sure that, you know, that the local talent kind of understands that, you know, this is home essentially. Now they've scheduled this big cookout uh, for June 1st for the 2022 class. And I guess, they're going to do the the 23 class on the day after these, these big cookouts. I know they're sort of unofficial visits, but how do you think the local kids are sort of responding to it? It seems like a lot of them say that they're going to end up going. Um, what is the general interest? Cause you've set foot on a lot of high school campuses. I have, and I just finished getting my second shot for COVID. So I haven't been out yet. And I, and I got to kind of wait for the two weeks before I go out. But uh, what is your sort of impression of, you know, what, what kids are saying about that barbecue and how important it is. Yeah, no, I mean, it seems like kids are really excited about it. You know, I feel like uh, a lot of these guys are ready to just step, just, just to be back on a college campus and just be able to talk to these guys in person. You know, they've done a lot of, you know, the Zooms and the virtual FaceTimes, but a lot of these kids, like, you know, they are young, they are high school kids, but you could, a lot of them are mature enough to understand the value of just like a face-to-face interaction, like, you know, looking somebody in the eye and shaking somebody's hand. And, you know, I think that that's something that they want on their end too. You know, a lot of like, some of these kids have just been like, man, I'm ready to go eat, you know, like I'm ready to have some barbecue. Like I just want to go hang out and kick it. And that's cool too. Cause you know, I just think that it's, again, it's no matter of the mentality of these guys going into it, you know, Miami's still going to be able to host all these guys on their campus, which again, that's what they want to do. They want to get, bring these kids back and they just want to want, want them to feel at home on their campus. So, you know, a lot of these kids are excited to just, you know, be around the program, just be around a college program and just, you know, just kind of hang out and just, you know, get to see these guys in person and just kind of start, you know, really building that aspect of everything back up, that community aspect where it's going to be a lot of the local guys, you know, they're going to be looking around and seeing, you know, 15, 18 other guys that they're going to be competing against, you know, this coming fall and just be like, you know, we all have a chance to kind of come here together. Like, look what could really happen if all the South Florida talent is kind of met in one place. And because the list right now is absolutely loaded. You got guys locally, you got guys coming from out of town, out of state, you know, people making, you know, hour long flights just to be here for an unofficial visit on their own dime. So, you know, it's, it's going to be a really, really cool event. And uh, yeah, it, it seems like, you know, the guys I've spoken to are really, really on board with it and are excited about it. Now, here's one thing, Gabby, and, I, and I've read a ton of your guys' stories. I did very little recruit, you know, recruiting, reporting myself. I, I've spoken to a handful of the guys at the Under Armour camp. I've made a couple of phone calls, DM'd guys. You, you talk to guys on a daily, hourly basis, it feels like. You and you and Matt Chodell from over there at Canesport. Um my question is this, I get the impression that a lot of the top local guys, it's kind of, we're kind of going back to where we were a couple of years ago where, yeah, they like Miami, but hell, Alabama's calling, Ohio State is calling, Clemson is calling. And it feels as if last year, you know, Miami getting a guy like James Williams and Leonard Taylor and some of the other, you know, four and five star guys uh, was the result of maybe them being unable to visit college campuses. Um, whereas now with things opening up, I think there's a lot of excitement from what I'm reading and anticipation from these guys of, Hey, we're going to get a chance to see other parts of the country. And I guess my question to you is, do you get that same sense that Miami isn't necessarily at the top of their pecking order for some of the elite kids down here, like Kenyatta Jackson and, uh, Shamar Stewart and all the, it seems like Miami's kind of the outside looking in on a lot of these guys. Do you get that same sense? Yeah, I do. Um, I'm just like, you know, 
I think a part of that is just like, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, Ohio State just played for a national championship. You know, when you're talking about Kenyatta, it's, you know, Ohio State, it's uh, Oklahoma, Clemson, you know, Shamar Stewart is going to have his pick of the litter. And, you know, ultimately when blue bloods like that come into your backyard, I mean, they've always done it. They've always come to South Florida and they want to take the best of the best. Miami wants to land the best of the best. And uh, we know historically Miami hasn't always landed everyone. Like even last cycle, they landed Leonard Taylor, Leonard Taylor and James Williams. But, you know, Dallas Turner still got away. A couple of, you know, uh, Ja'Cory Brooks got away. You know, I feel like it's always going to happen just because of the amount of talent that's down here. But I think what Miami needs or well, has done a good job of doing is just kind of getting their fair share. Because, you know, ultimately, unless Miami starts winning 10, 11 games a season, you know, these schools are going to be able to come down here and, you know, pick out who they want in a certain sense. But I think Miami's done a really go- a good job of just like kind of staying in there. And, you know, this time last year, you know, James Williams was kind of thought thought to be a Georgia lean. Leonard Taylor and Miami weren't even really a thought. But, you know, James Williams goes and takes an unofficial visit to Georgia, gets back the next day, and, you know, like goes to Georgia on his own, comes back the next day and commits to Miami. So, you know, in James Williams' sense, I think it was a very unique situation where he actually did go, go see the school that he was, like, heavily favored to pick and then came back and just decided to stick with his hometown school. And then Leonard Taylor, Miami, was on uh, was just able to kind of just chip away and just kind of end up winning that down the road. So I think Miami's mentality is just like, you know, let's wait for things to open up. Let's try to get these guys on campus and then just continue to chip away and chip away and chip away and see if, you know, especially with some of the edge guys you're just mentioning, like they just put two first rounders in the NFL. You know, it's, it's not hard for a defensive end to look at Miami and be like, you know what, like that's a pretty good spot for me. So I think Miami just needs to keep like battling in there. They just need to stay in the box, keep fouling off these, you know, high heaters and all that stuff, just kind of stay in there. And just, you know, continue to battle. You might not win them all. You know, I'm not going to say I'm not going to say Miami's going to sweep South Florida. But, you know, I think that they have a good chance to get their fair share of guys. And, you know, I think they're doing a good job with just kind of that balancing act of, you know, who we're kind of in a good spot for versus who we're going to kind of keep chipping away at. Yeah. And and, you know, it, I think you're right. I think that's probably the right approach that they need to have. And, and in a lot of cases, too, let's not forget when they get early commitments from a lot of these kids where, you know, guys are committed for over a year, it usually doesn't pan out well for Miami, right? I mean, those relationships don't always end in marriage. It's more like divorce. And in some cases, they've been able to get those guys back, like a James Williams, right? He was committed, came back into the class. So uh, it'll be interesting, but I I guess I just want to get your impression of the general consensus locally and what, you know, their thoughts are going into this cookout. Because I think, to me, it's almost as if, whatever's happened or not happened over the last 14 months for Miami in terms of this recruiting cycle with this class locally, and even some other guys from around the state that are going to come is they haven't had time to bond and be around each other. And when, and when you talk to David Cooney and when you, the recruiting coordinator and different guys on the staff, you know, they talk about how good players and great players want to play with good players and great players. Right. And maybe, maybe for Miami, this cookout is going to be the secret to getting maybe some of these kids to consider staying home versus where the last 13, 14 months, yeah, Miami's the hometown team, but when you're not on campus, you're not able to watch practice, all those kind of things, I'm sure it probably affects their mentality a little bit. Yeah, I would say so, because, you know, like, at the end of the day, what Miami can do is the same thing that any other program can do, right? Like, how much of a hometown advantage do you really have in that sense if you can't just pop into campus and go watch practice? Or if you can't, like, you know, at the end of the day, if Miami's recruiting you virtually and then Alabama's recruiting you virtually – and then you can't step foot on any of their campuses. And then you got Clemson doing the same thing. And you got, let's say, Florida doing the same thing. It's like, you know, Miami is the hometown school from a proximity standpoint. But 
you also don't have that continuity. You don't have that, like where you're talking about, like that relation, like just like that community aspect of just kind of just driving, you know, 20, maybe 25 minutes down the road, getting to campus, being around all these other guys that you kind of see, you get to see the team, you get to see the guys in the locker room to like, man, I've played with a lot of these guys. Like I watched these guys play when, you know, I was, you know, those types of things. So I think once Miami is able to just kind of gather those guys together, I just think it's going to be a refresher of sorts and just be like, man, like this is what we could really make happen down here. If we, if this is the route that we chose to go, because look at all the guys that Miami can just get in here on a Tuesday in June, just because it's Miami and just because this is where we all lived. So I think that that's where like, you know, the cookout could really serve as like, you know, kind of a reminder to all these guys, like, man, this really is Miami. And this really what, this is what the potential is here. Now, you, do you know what they're serving for lunch? Are you going to be there like hiding behind a grassy knoll to like take attendance or what sort of a plan <laughs> for you and Andrew Ivins uh, with, with that, that cookout? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a still to be determined. I'm sure that I'll be, I'm sure I'll find a nice comfy little tree to maybe get some binoculars and hides. I, I mean, I really don't know what the, what the plan is there, but I'm sure, I mean, I'm not going to be too far away. I can probably, I can guarantee that I'll, I'll be somewhere around the university of Miami's campus that day for sure. So I want to ask you um, specifically, I wanted to go position by position. Um, you know, I did that sort of with, with Matt last night when we recorded our segment where we kind of talked about, uh, you know, who's really in the picture for Miami right now before before the visits and who is kind of on the outside looking in. And, you know, just to get your guys' opinions, because you guys talk to these kids on a daily basis. And I would say the the really hard thing to do uh, throughout all of this has been to sort of keep up with, man, they've offered this guy, they've offered this guy, they've offered... Yeah. So you, you know they've offered a ton of guys, but to give a real clear picture of, okay, who are they really in the running for by position? That's, that's something I wanted to kind of do with you as well as I as I did with Matt earlier. Um, quarterback, obviously we know they got Ja'Curry Brown, uh, for 2022 and, and it, and it feels like nothing's going to change there. And then running back after picking up Cody Brown, uh, in the transfer portal here a couple months ago, it almost feels like that's a position that they're not even going to address in this next cycle. How do you, what, where do you sort of see quarterback and running back? Is that an accurate assessment on my part? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's spot on. Uh, I mean, a quarterback's done. Uh, I think they're moving on to 2023 now, which I think is a good way to get a head start running back. Yeah. I would be surprised if they took one. I think the only way a running back lands in this class is if like, it's like an elite elite guy that just falls in love with Miami that, you know, maybe they they'll roll a dice on just like, we can't turn away a top talent like that. And I'm talking like an elite elite guy, like not just like a, maybe a four star kid, like someone that they really, really believe is going to help make this team better. I think that's like the only way they probably go running back, but that would be like, I would be very surprised if a running back landed in this class, like a high school running back. Yeah. And I know they've had conversations with guys, right? They've certainly talked to some guys, but it's more like a backup plan. Is there anybody who you would say is at the top of the backup plan list if in case things work out? Yeah, I mean, you can always like point to like a guy like Damari Alston, who's a kid out of Atlanta Woodward. Uh, I mean, he's someone that I know that they've kind of stayed sort of in communication with, but I think that he has just different ideas of where he's going to go. I don't know how. I think he understands the situation at Miami. And, uh, you know, one of our West Coast analysts at 24-7, Greg Biggins, he does an awesome job just like in the California area. You know, he reported the other day that Javante Barnes, who's a top 247 kid out of Las Vegas De- uh, Desert Pines, um, same school as Dar- Darnell Washington a few cycles ago. Uh, you know, he's been in communication with Miami and stuff. But again, like that's maybe like a top of the line kid that, you know, if Miami were to say, if, let's say that kid were to fall in love with Miami, like 
maybe, but I just, I, I don't see that happening, him being a West Coast guy and with a lot of those West Coast schools pushing. So, you know, maybe those are a couple of names to just keep in the back of your head in case things do shift or anything like that. But, uh, I, yeah, I mean, I, 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 my money would be on, like, zero running backs in this class. Yeah. Receiver is a different story, obviously. Uh, you got Mike Harley and Charleston Rambo that are pretty much – set up to have huge seasons here in 2021. Obviously, we don't know what's going to happen with Mark Pope and D. Wiggins, two guys that have had drops in the past, but they're in their fourth year, so they're draft eligible. And then, of course, Jeremiah Payton, you know, who was the top recruit in the uh, 19 cycle that really has yet to do anything in his career at Miami because of injuries and different issues. And then you got that group of seven, you know, first and second year guys from the last two cycles that, that Rob Likens was actually on that are sort of waiting in the wing. So, I would think that most receivers probably look at Miami and say, hey, I'm not going to probably get on the field unless I'm an absolute stud and and I'll probably be waiting for a little while. That's how I kind of view the receiver position in terms of this cycle. How do you view it and who do you think Miami is really in the running for? How many guys do you think they end up signing? Yeah, um, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how many guys they end up signing. I mean, they just signed they signed three, you know, top guys last cycle, Romelo Brinson, Jacoby George, Rashard Smith. Um, I, I could see it as a situation like where, where like what you're saying, where like, yeah, you might not get on the field right away. But just with the way the wide receiver room has kind of worked at Miami, like I don't think that, you know, if, if I'm Miami, I'm not telling any recruit like, you know, hey, like, you know, this is a deep room over here. Like I'm telling my I'm telling everyone like, you know, you got a chance to come in here and compete. Like I don't feel like there's enough top end guys, at least re- returning back or at least proving guys for anyone to say like, hey, you know what? Like you might have to sit around a little bit like. You know, so I mean, I, I think it's a I think if you're Rob Likens, like I think you have a pretty good pitch on what you can kind of, you know, sell some of these guys. And, uh, you know, some of the names to know there. I mean, I think you got to start off with Jaden Gibson, who's out of Orlando West Orange. You know, he's a top two, four, seven kid, six, six, one ninety type of body. You know, it's not something that Miami really has on campus or on the roster or coming in or anything like that. So I think that's a really unique talent that, uh, you know, Miami's been on for a long time. I believe they offered him in November. And, you know, since Florida, you know, Baylor, Tennessee, or a couple other schools, Florida State, that have, you know, started to kind of make their way into the picture. But, uh, you know, he's planning on officially visiting, you know, the weekend of June 11th, which is the same weekend as, like, Jacory Brown will be there and stuff. So, you know, he's probably one of the top targets at the position. And, you know, right after him, you got to go with Isaiah Bond out of Buford, Georgia, which is the same program that Jess Simpson won, like, seven state championships at when he was a high school guy over there. So he got a nice little connection there. And, uh, Oh, he's also officially visiting. He's already unofficially visited with Ja'Curry Brown that weekend before he ended up committing. Mm-hmm. So uh, Isaiah Bond is definitely a name to know there. A couple other guys, uh, Isaiah Horton out of Murfreesboro, Tennessee. He's a guy that's officially visiting the fourth. I think Florida's the leader there, but I think Miami's like a firm number two there. So you never know what happens after some of these visits. And Quan Lee is probably one of like my quietly favorite guy, like like one of the low-key like favorite guys in this class. Uh, he's like a slot type of guy, kind of has just like a highly competitive kid. I know Miami really likes the way that he's able to, you know, kind of get after it. And you turn on the tape and you kind of see him extending for balls and stuff like that. And you kind of see he has like just that that extra gear and just that extra will to go get the ball. So, I mean, he's someone that I like that I wouldn't be too shocked ended up in this class. So that's Quan Lee out of uh, FW Buckles in uh, Gainesville. And then you got a couple other guys that you can know, you know, uh, Landon Ibieta is a kid from uh, – is a kid from Louisiana that he's going to be officially visiting later on in the month. And, uh, you know, Miami's kind of kicked the tire, continue to like kick the tires with him. So a couple guys that they're in for that, you know, they could, you know, maybe find their way with, but yeah, I mean, I have a, I think it's a solid group of, of dudes that, you know, they're kind of going after. I think they can end up landing a couple of them at least. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yeah, and, and and the interesting thing is, I think three of them are going to be here the the weekend of June 11th, which is is uh, Jacari Brown coming down that same weekend to be here with them. Yeah, I mean that's turning into a pretty loaded uh, recruiting weekend. Like I think that's Miami's like premier weekend in terms mm-hmm. of just like official visits. Just because I mean right now it's looking like JD, like those guys I mentioned, Jaden Gibson, Isaiah Bond, Quan Lee, uh, Jacari Brown will be there, and then you got you know four star tight end Caden Helms. Uh, you got Jacoby Spells out of Plantation American Heritage, a couple linemen, and Cameron Williams, Leighton Nelson. So, you know, you got some you got some dudes coming. Oh, and you got Justin Medlock, the linebacker out of out of Texas that's also coming that weekend. So, you know, th- I feel like that's Miami's a big time recruiting weekend in terms of official visits at this point. Second week of June. Insanity. Uh <laughs> yeah. Let's move on to tight end where obviously if Will Mallory has a big year, he could very well be leaving for the NFL, which I think opens the door, right, for a lot of these younger guys behind them who, who really haven't had an opportunity. You know, Elijah Royal missed the summer with the foot injury or missed the spring rather with the foot injury uh, coming uh, coming off surgery or whatever. We still haven't had Khalil Brantley on campus. Um, how do you sort of view the tight end position with the recruits in the 2022 cycle? You mentioned Caden, Caden Helms earlier, Anthony Jones, another kid out of uh, Nevada, uh, of course, where Brevin Jordan came out, came from. Yeah. And then I know uh, Russell Maryland's uh, kid, yeah. RJ Maryland, uh, from, from South Lake uh, Carroll uh, in Texas, a school that I visited long ago for uh, that Miami Northwestern South Lake wow. Carroll game with Jacoby Harris. Those guys were there. Yeah. Uh, how do you sort of view that and how many do you think they end up taking? Um, yeah, I could probably just see one in this class. You know, they signed, they signed two last cycle. You know, I, I would be surprised if they went, if they went and signed more than one, but yeah, I mean, I think those are three solid names. You know, Caden Helms is kind of starting to trend towards Oklahoma. So, you know, I think that might be a tougher pool for, for Miami, but I think they're in a good spot with Anthony Jones. You know, a lot of schools like Anthony Jones on the defensive side, uh, you know, Texas, USC, Oregon are some of the other schools that are set to get visits and all of them like him as a, like, you know, a defensive end type. So, uh, you know, he, he keeps catching balls and pass in, you know, these camps and stuff. He keeps lining up a tight end and he's going out and catching passes. So, uh, you know, I think Miami could be in a good spot there for him if he chooses he wants to play offense. And RJ Maryland, yeah, he's a he's big and he can run. You know, I talked to a Texas guy that actually got to go see him, you know, this I think earlier this week. Yeah, it was earlier this week. And he's like, man, he's big and he can run. He was a Second team, Max Preps Jr. All-American at, you know, he's catching passes from Quinn Ewers, which is the number one, like the consensus number one overall player, Ohio State commit. So he gets plenty of chances to to catch passes in that offense. So three intriguing names there. And, uh, you know, I think Miami could potentially land one of those guys. 
Now, the offensive line is in a great position, right? I think it's 165 uh, starts coming back for this coming season. But, you know, you got guys like Todd McShay saying, you know, Zion Nelson might be the fifth pick in the draft, and he's he's only going into his third year. uh, And and a guy who could potentially leave uh, via the draft early. Um, You know, there could be four, essentially four guys, starters on this offensive line in 21 that are gone after this coming season. Um, Do you get the sense – that the offensive linemen Miami involved with are really interested in them or like from what I've read, a lot of their key targets, I don't, I don't get the sense that Miami's at the top of the list for in, in the pecking order. Where, where do you sort of read the room when it comes to the offensive line? Yeah. I mean, I know Garen justice is, I mean, if you're following Garen justice on Twitter or anything like that, you know that he's doing a bunch of evaluations constantly, you know, like he's constantly uh, offering a bunch of guys. I think he sent out like, five or six different offers in the 2022 class over the past like week and a half or so. So, you know, I think he's just continuing to kind of move through the board and just continue because he knows he's going to have to fill in a lot of slots and you talk to these offensive linemen and he's, and they'll tell you like, you know, coach justice is telling me that, you know, a lot, like there's going to be opportunity next year. You know, they're losing a lot of linemen to the NFL and, you know, there's going to be chances here. So, you know, I feel like a lot of those guys see that there's going to be an opportunity to play there. But, uh, you know, yeah, you know, Miami's also going after some big fish. I mean, you got Malik Agbo out of Washington State, so the Pacific Northwest. You know, a kid that's kind of open to leaving the region, so I think Miami might have a chance he, there. Uh, he will be down on an official visit the weekend of June 4th. And then, you know, Cameron Williams, Leighton Nelson are a couple guys that I feel like Miami's in a pretty good spot with. The only thing with Williams is that Texas just offered. He's a Duncanville, Texas native. So whenever the Longhorns come calling for a, a Lone Start State kid, you know, you kind of you kind of hold your breath a little bit because it felt like Miami was in a pretty good spot there. He told me that they were in his top two, essentially, along with, you know, Oregon, Oklahoma, were a couple other schools there. But let's see what happens there. I think Leighton Nelson is a guy that they're in a good spot with, you know, a guy to have Orlando Boone, you know, 6'6 kid, you know, big, big kid. I think, the, I think Miami's in a pretty good spot there. They're going to get an official visit from him. And then, you know, we kind of just got to keep working through the board. You know, Braden Miller is a kid out of Colorado. A kid that plays both ways over there, six foot seven, does makes plays at defensive end, has pretty good tape that you know is not going to wow you with the star rating. But I think Miami's in a is in an okay spot with him, and you know they just recently offered, so it's going to be interesting to see how that board continues to shake up. I have a feeling it's not even close to being set yet, uh, and that there's still going to be time for you know new evaluations to come out. And yeah, and oh, Daughtry Richardson's another kid too out of Miami Central. He's a guy that Miami really really likes. Um, and, you know, they recently offered him as well. So he's going to be on the, at the cookout June 1st. And, you know, Miami's trying to work their way back into the picture with him. And I think that they're doing a good job there, too. So, uh, yeah, that's definitely a name to watch. I think Daughtry Richardson, Leighton Nelson, Cameron Williams are a couple names to know right now. And then just kind of be open minded to see how the rest of the board shakes out. You didn't mention Julian Armella, which I think most Miami <laughs> fans are disappointed that, that that's the case when they when they listen to this podcast. And obviously you guys have reported on it, you know, and, and haven't really pegged him to Miami. What, what do you think sort of happened with that relationship? Because they were on him early. Is it just a case where Armella, I don't know, but doesn't fit well with Garen Justice and the staff here? Or do you think it's more like, hey, he wants to go play for a team that's contended for a national championship? Yeah, that, that's honestly my fault. That's that. That's just uh, I, I know Miami's doing a really like a good job there. Like Julian Armella always has really good things to say about Miami. It's just one of those things where it's just like you know, I I just you know, like what we kind of talked about with some of the other of the other guys earlier. You know, LSU's coming and calling. He's he's really close friends with Marcus Dumerville and Marlon Martinez, who signed there out of St. Thomas Aquinas uh, a couple a couple cycles ago. He's going to be officially visiting LSU. 
And, you know, he's planning on taking this recruitment the whole way. So I just feel like there's a lot more time with Julian Armella. Um, not to say Miami's not in it for him. I mean, I've talked to people in Miami and they feel good about where they're at with him. But, you know, again, they know, they understand that they're battling off a lot of these schools. And uh, honestly, you know, I would be like at this point, like I would be surprised if any of the Florida schools are are really that like, I, I want to say I feel better about Miami over Florida and Florida State in terms of, you know, the in-state schools for Julian Armella. But, you know, I just think it's going to be one of those things where it's going to be tough and you just got to, again, you got to continue to chip away, have a good season, show that, you know, maybe a Zion Nelson, let's say he is a first round pick. I'm not going to sit here and say he's a top, he's a five, the fifth overall pick right now. But, uh, you know, I think as time goes on and, you know, you continue to show that, I think that, you know, Miami could continue to trend in the right direction with him. All right, let's switch over to defense because I feel like that's an area where where maybe they're in it uh, more for high-end quality guys. Uh, you know, the four- and five-star guys, they're kind of in it for them. Let's talk with the defensive line. And, and obviously, you know, you got a couple guys uh, at the defensive tackle position in Ford and Silvera that are that could very well uh, be gone after 21. You got Miller and Harrison Hunt that are sort of backups. Uh, Harrison Hunt's a guy who's flashed. You don't know. He's, he's in his third year of eligibility. He has a great year. He might be gone, too. So then you, you start looking at, okay, well, who's going to stick around? Obviously, you got Leonard Taylor in the last cycle uh, at defensive tackle that everybody thinks is going to be a star eventually. Um, but Miami's in the running for some good players here, uh, especially locally. Uh, and Daniel Lyons out of Homestead. And I know, I guess, Alton uh, Tarber's another name, a kid yeah. out of Deerfield Beach. Uh, with, with defensive tackle, what do you sort of see there? Yeah, with defensive tackle, you know, I think Daniel Lyons is probably at the top of the board. You know, I think that he's a guy that he's a guy that they've been on for a long time. Uh, he has a he has a relationship with Jet Simpson that goes back to his freshman year when he was at Miami Southridge. Also, he has a really close relationship with Leonard Taylor too. Like they work out together. Like you know, I think it was last summer uh, I went to watch Leonard Taylor work out with Andrew Ivins, and you know, Daniel Lyons was there. And like you know, that's where I met Daniel Lyons for the first time. And so, you know, I know the two are really close and, you know, I think Miami's in a good spot there. Uh, I think Oklahoma, Florida State, you know, Penn State, Georgia Tech are a couple of other schools that are that are going to be in there. But I feel good about where Miami stands with Daniel Lyons. And then Alton Tarber, you know, I feel like Miami's done a good job with, you know, I feel like they've kind of taken guys that like that. You know, you think of Jalar Hawley, you think of like an Alan Hay. Um, and then like, I feel like Alton Tarber kind of fits that same mold of, you know, that kind of run stuffing plug kind of in the middle of that defensive line. So, I think he's a, an interesting talent. I actually haven't been able to see him like in person yet. I was hoping to today, but I don't think that's going to happen because Deerfield Beach isn't practicing. But um, yeah, I think that that could be another interesting option as well. Yeah. And in defensive end, it seems like there's maybe more of a need there just because, uh, you know, there's some unproven guys. Obviously, that Miami's going to have Zach McLeod in his sixth year and DeAndre Johnson, the Tennessee transfer, too two older guys and then Jafari Harvey's going into his third year. So technically he could go pro after this coming season, same with Cameron Williams, but there's some young guys that they kind of have chance Williams, Quentin Williams, uh, Thomas Davis, Tyler Johnson, Jabari Ishmael that were part of the last cycle. They've got about, you know, five guys from the last two cycles that are kind of in development. Um, has that you think at all turned off guys like Shamar Stewart, Marvin Jones, Kenyatta Jackson, you know, from, from, from maybe liking Miami guys that are in the top 100 uh, because of kind of the depth Miami has there? Or, you know, do you think it, it's something else related? Yeah, I don't think it's the Ross. I don't think it's a depth chart at all. I mean, you consider the schools that, you know, those guys that you mentioned are all considering. And, 
you know, these guys understand that they're going to, there's going to be competition at all these schools. And, you know, like, I don't think Kenyatta Jackson is looking at Ohio state and be like, man, I have a chance to play right away. Like, I think he mm-hmm. just knows that that's a place he can go get developed. Uh, same thing with Mark with uh, Marvin Jones, you know, you got Alabama, you got Ohio state, you got Oklahoma. I mean, Florida state, he could probably go play, but you know, a lot of these schools like you know, I just think these guys just, I just, I just think it's something else. Like, I just think it's other factors, a part of the recruitment and all that stuff. And that's where I just, I think Miami needs to, you know, continue to just kind of do their job there and just kind of continue to show them that this is a place that they can come play at. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. You think they just put two guys in the first round at defensive yeah. end that, that that would help them. But obviously the kids pay attention to their things. Now I know they're, they're into other guys, uh, Najalik Kelly, the former FSU commit out of uh, Dillard, uh, Dante Anderson out of Homestead. How many do you think they end up taking at, at, at edge rusher? Yeah, I could see, I could see two, I could see three, you know, depending on how, like, you know, who wants in and all that stuff. Um, I think Nigel Kelly is probably the top, like, you know, like top realistic target on the board right now. And yeah, I know you mentioned the Shamar Stewart, the Kenyatta Jacksons, the Marvin Jones juniors. And, you know, it's, it, it would sound like on paper, like, let's say if Miami weren't to sign those guys, like it would kind of feel like a disappointment, but I mean, Nigel Lee Kelly is not a consolation prize by any, you know, stretch of the imagination. Miami's still going to have to battle their tails off to land a guy like Nigel Lee Kelly. But let's say they were able to, you know, come around and sign a guy like Nigel Lee Kelly. That's that would be a solid, solid pickup because, you know, this is a guy that had like 21 tackles for loss in like six games, 13 sacks, uh, you know, as a junior is was an absolute freak show at the Under Armour Miami camp. And he came away with the defensive line MVP honors over Shamar Stewart, over Daniel Lyons, over Kenyatta Jackson, all over a, a lot of the top guys that, that were down here. So, you know, I think Nigel Kelly is a, is a, is a real, real good player. And so I think Miami's in a good spot with him. Dante Anderson, another guy that, you know, is, you know, you're probably looking at more of a developmental type just because he is like really, really skinny. You know, he's, he doesn't have a lot of like body mass. He doesn't look like anywhere close to like a Shamar Stewart or Marvin Jones Jr. or a Nigel Kelly even. So, um, you know, I still think he's a really good, like, speed edge rusher. I think that he's someone that Miami really likes. And then you got a couple other guys. You got some of the out, you got some of the out-of-town guys. You got Amario Eugenio out of Tampa Gaither. You know, he's another guy that will be here for the cookout. You got Bo Atkinson, you know, out of Lee, Leesville, um, Raleigh Leesville, which is the same uh, high school as Braxton Barrios, and he's going to be here for the cookout, a big 6'5 kid, you know, strong. Uh, had a good, had a strong shortened junior season at, in North Carolina and uh, a, no, definitely a strong sophomore season. So, you know, I think that that's another name to know too. So they got, they, they still got names that they're kind of working through uh, at pass rusher and all that stuff. And again, you just put two, pa- you just put two guys in the first round. Maybe some of the guys that were like, Hey, Miami's on me, but who knows? Maybe they're looking at Miami now and just saying like, Whoa, like no one else did what Miami just did. And, you know, you hear about the other schools, the Clemson's and all the school, but I mean, no one came close to doing what Miami just did in the first round. Like, I need to give them a stronger look. And, you know, I think Miami's going to end – I think that is going to end up helping Miami out down the road. Maybe we're not seeing the fruits of it at the moment. But I think, you know, as this cycle continues to progress, we're going to start seeing how Jalen Phillips and Greg Russo and all that stuff kind of ended up working out for them. Linebacker, uh, obviously, is a position where after what we saw last year, everybody's like, well, they got to address this, right? And, and I know they've, they've been trying to, in the transfer portal, find the right kind of fit. Um, but it, as far as the 22 cycle, it seems like they're in on some good guys, guys that everybody in the country wants. Um, and, and I would say it feels like they're in a good position for a guy like Wesley Besaint out of Miami Central, Omar Graham, a kid out of Stranahan. 
who I know is going to be uh, visiting Miami. What is your sense at linebacker? Do you think they're in good shape? And who, who do you sort of think they're, they're in best shape for? Yeah, and no, I think Miami's in a good spot with uh, what they want to do at linebacker. You know, you mentioned two of the guys, Omar Graham out of, of Stranahan, Wesley Besaint out of Miami Central. You also got Demario Tolan out of Orlando, Dr. Phillips. You know, this is a track kid that went like 15-8-8 in the 110-meter hurdles. So this is just a really athletic guy. Uh, someone that was able to walk around Miami's campus, you know, before they made their way down for the Under Armour Miami camp. So he's pretty familiar with the campus. You know, he's going to be there June 1st also for the cookout. And he's also going to be officially visiting. I can't remember the weekend off the top of my head. It might be, I think it's the 18th through the 20th. He's going to be visiting. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It's June 25th. He's, it's the last weekend of, of June. He's like the only one that's set that official visit so far. So, I mean, Demario Tolan is absolutely a name I, that, you know, you need to know as a Miami fan, you know, Auburn, LSU. Um, who's the other one that's going to get an official visit? Some of those, uh, Tennessee, uh, is a, a couple other schools involved. Florida State, maybe a little bit. might uh, uh, may take a few unofficials too, but I think Miami's in a solid spot there with uh, uh, Ishmael Aristide kind of uh, leading the way there. Yeah, then you got Travis Lathan, you know, right down the road at Miami Gulliver Prep. You know, he's not planning on officially visiting Miami, but he's going to be there June 1st for the cookout. And, you know, I know Manny Diaz is involved there. Uh, I know Packy, uh, Jonathan Packy. I know Travis Robinson have all been involved there. So, you know, a name that, you know, again, not officially visiting, which generally, you know, historically um, isn't good news. But, you know, I feel like Miami's still kind of in there with him and they've done a good job kind of staying consistent with him and letting him know that they want him and stuff. So I think there's four very strong names on the board. I think Miami could potentially walk away with a few of those guys. All right. And uh, secondary cornerback, obviously, uh, is a position where, you know, you got a new position coach in, in Demarcus Van Dyke. Who's trying to land the big time kids? I know they're involved with Kamari Rogers, a kid out of Mississippi. Jaquan Fagans, another top 100 recruit, um, and then of course they have Earl Little right here in their backyard. Who you know, you read your guys' stories, you don't get the sense that Earl uh, is is really you know I don't know stressing Miami, like uh, talking about them a whole lot. It, like maybe they're on the outside looking in with him. Um, and then, of course, Jacoby Spells, his teammate at Heritage, who I think they really do have a good shot at. How do you sort of look at, at, at the cornerback spot and what they end up doing there? Yeah, I, I mean, they obviously got to they got to go sign a few guys at that position. They didn't sign anyone at like any true corner at, at the position, um, you know, last cycle. So I, I think that's because that position has become a priority for the staff. And yeah, I think they've done a really good job with Kamari Rogers. You know, Traquan Fagans is a guy that plays a seven on, he played seven on seven football with the Miami Immortals. So he's been down in the area as well. And he's already walked around campus this year. Same deal with Kamari Rogers. He's been on Miami's campus a couple of times already, and he's going to be down for the cookout and then officially visit. So I think Miami's in a good spot there when a guy's, you know, making it a point to come down and pay his way and, you know, be around the program that much. I think that says a lot. Um, Earl Little. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just think it's ultimately, you know, being a heritage guy, seeing the success that Patrick Sertan had at Alabama, you know, Nick Saban's getting on the phone with him on draft day, talking to him about that stuff. So, you know, I know at 24 seven sports, uh, a couple guys have already logged their crystal balls in for Alabama. Um, you know, I think that they might be the team to beat at this point, but that, again, that's not to say that Miami can't claw their way back into this. Uh, Jacoby spells the guy I really like, you know, he has the verified speed 10, seven, nine in the hundred meter. Um, you know, he's done a lot of good things. I think Miami really likes, you know, just what he's been able to put on tape in his first true year at corner. Cause he was a converted wide receiver played wide receiver, his first two years at American heritage. So, uh, I'm a really big fan of him and uh, I know Miami really likes him too. So I think Miami's in a really good spot with a few corners. I think that they've done a really good job at that position. And, 
you know, I, I think that they're, you know, they're obviously big fish hunting there. You know, they have, a, they're taking a lot of big swings. Uh, I think that they might be able to potentially win out on a couple of those guys. And I think that would be absolutely huge. I mean, that's why you go get a Travis Robinson. That's why you promote DeMarcus Van Dyke is, you know, to have that type of impact on the recruiting trail. And, you know, so let's see how that all turns out because, uh, you know, I think that, I think that it could end up, it could, it could end up being a pretty, pretty special class if, what they want to do ends up kind of coming full circle and they're able to pick up a few of those signatures. Safety is a really interesting position because yeah. you've already got Avante Williams. You got James Williams. Uh, you got two really young guys that are studs that were top, you know, safeties in the country in, in, in the last two cycles. And then you got, you know, Brian Balaam and, and Cameron Kitchens, two, two local kids that maybe aren't at the top of the pecking order, but they're, you know, they're still really good players, players that Miami likes. Um, how do you sort of view the safety position in, in terms of attracting guys in this cycle? Uh, you know, do you think having James Williams and Avante Williams is turning some guys off to Miami, or do you think they really do have a shot at guys like Kamari Wilson and some of the other, uh, you know, blue chip recruits uh, at the safety position? Yeah. I, again, I don't know if it's like a turning off type of thing. I just mm -hmm. think that, you know, I, I feel like they want a big fish hunt. You know, they obviously want to go after Kamari Wilson um, you know, Markeith Williams is another guy out of Orlando Evans that, you know, they really like too. And that's more, that's a guy that, you know, he's not, let's say the number one or number two safety in the country, but this is a, this is a long kid that, you know, again, you keep him and you put him in your program for a year or two of someone that you don't necessarily need to, you know, ex you, don't, you're, you don't necessarily need him to make an immediate impact. And you can have a guy kind of sitting right behind some of those guys that, you know, can come and make plays. So I, I really like Markeith Williams. I think that he could be a realistic option as well. Uh, I like Kamari Wilson, of course. I mean, I think that he's a solid player as well. And, uh, you know, you even look at, like, you even look at some sleepers. Like, you got the Henderson twins in from out of Sanford Seminole. And, you know, we got Jakari and Damari. And one of them's a corner. I can't remember. I think it's Jakari that's the corner and Damari is the safety. And it's just like, you know, those are guys that, like, you know, maybe we're not talking about even right now. But, you know, down the road, those are guys that could potentially become players. And those are two freak show athletes just with, like, a crazy measurables, both Team USA basketball players that offers on both sides of the ball. So those are even two guys that, you know, you could even see maybe later on. And, again, maybe not might not wow you with the star rating. But, you know, when you have a guy like James Williams, Avante Williams, potentially bringing in a guy like that with that, those athletic measurables, you know, you kind of – you can maybe just go that direction too. So I think they have options. I'm not, too, I'm not sure that they're too worried about how – the secondary plays out. I believe that they have a, a solid plan there. And you know, I think that, uh, yeah, I think that they kind of, I think that they're trending in the right way. Again, you got the number two, one safety in the country back-to-back -back cycles. I think you can, I think you can afford some, some leisure at the position and, you know, you just continue stacking that talent. There's no reason to believe that they won't or that they can't because they have. So, I mean, I'm pretty comfortable with where they're at there. It's sort of a, a last question and wild card question. Which new assistant coach do you think has had the biggest impact uh, on recruiting? You know, obviously they've made a lot of hires here in the last two years. Um, who do you think is, has made the most impact with guys saying, wait a minute, uh, I, I, I like Miami now because this guy's on the staff? Yeah, um, I mean, man, that's tough. I've heard Ishmael Aristide's name a lot. Like, I, I've heard his name a lot. I've heard it from uh, Wesley Besaint. Um, I've heard it from Demario Tolan. I heard it from, you know, Ish Harris, which is like a kind of like a striker target out from out of Texas. I feel like I hear Ish, uh, Ishmael Aristide's name a lot. Uh, Demarcus Van Dyke, too. It always feels like Demarcus Van Dyke is kind of is kind of in the background and like maybe not the primary, but, you know, he's always kind of affiliated with the recruitments of the guys down here. You know, Shamar Stewart, you know, Demarcus Van Dyke being a pace alum. 
Uh, you know, he does a lot of work with Shamar Stewart there. Uh, so, you know, T-Rob, obviously, like, you know, T-Rob is just like, you know, he, he's kind of the dude out there again. Like, I feel like DVD and T-Rob are kind of, you know, double teaming all the, all the, what do you call it? All the defensive backs and all that stuff, a lot of defensive targets. So, I mean, it would be hard to pick one, honestly. I'm going to go DeMarcus Van Dyke because I probably feel like he's the one, he's the name I hear the most. And I think he has a lot of, I think he has like crazy, crazy, like upside potential of just like moving up the coaching tree, like the coaching ranks and all that stuff. And I think he could end up being one of the, like a solid, solid recruiter for Miami now that he has an on-field position and all that. And he had a lot of stuff. He had a lot to do with a lot of the guys, you know, from, uh, you know, an off-field role too. Like he was probably, if not for DeMarcus Van Dyke, I'm not sure if Cameron Kitchens comes to Miami, you know, like he could end up at Auburn or something like that. So uh, I think DeMarcus Van Dyke is probably the guy that I would, you know, throw in there as the, as the number one. And then like coach ish and T Rob are kind of battling it out for that number two spot. Gabby, you were fantastic, man. Thanks for coming on and, and doing this with me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Anytime. I appreciate you, man. All right, brother. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, so you just heard from Gabby. We're going to turn it over now to my interview with Matt Shodell. I got to caution you, the audio isn't as good. Matt's computer, unfortunately, had crashed, uh, so we weren't able to do the interview on Zoom the way that I wanted to, but we did do it over the phone and I did record it with my digital tape recorder. Hopefully my producer, Mike Zimmerman, can work some magic and make it sound even better. But uh, it, it will sound a little different than the interview with Gabby. That said, a lot of great information and perspective from Matt Shodell. Listen to what he had to say. All right, so we're going to talk to Kane Sports' Matt Shodell now uh, about this upcoming month in recruiting, June 1st, when uh, athletes are finally able to step on campuses again. Miami's going to have a big cookout as we mentioned earlier, on June 1st, and then they're going to start hosting uh, official visitors on the weekend. And, and Matt, you, you've you been doing this for two-plus two decades already, talking to these kids. <laughs> Normally, you have a whole year or year and a half to sort of, you know, cover this thing. And now it feels like we're going to go into warp speed with commitments and decommitments and all that kind of stuff because kids haven't been able to be on camp. What, what's your mindset, man, going into next month? My mindset is I better get some rest. Like in May, because June is going to be ridiculous. I mean, as you mentioned, I've been doing this for a long time, and so have you. And I mean, it, I, I can't even describe for fans how crazy June is going to be. Like, we have one kid we did a story on who 
is visiting Miami June 1st, going to Clemson June 2nd, he's going somewhere else June 3rd, somewhere else June 4th, I mean, and then he has official visits every weekend throughout June and a couple other unofficials later in the month. I mean, these kids, because they're just not sure what the future holds, right? For all they know, there could be another shutdown. July's a dead period. Season comes. Will they be allowed to go on campus? Will they be allowed to go to games? Will there be some variants of COVID where all of a sudden the NCAA says, we're going to extend the dead period. So June is the month for everybody. And, like, you see Miami... I mean, people are on Kingsport. They've seen us. We've been talking about all these official visits and unofficial visits being set up in June. And people are asking us, like, why do they have all these official visits in June? This never happens. You know, Miami only has a few kids usually in June. They want to bring their kids in in November and December to get that last visit that leads that leaves that lasting impression, not have kids come in June and never come back again and try to get them to decide to come to Miami in December, right? Right. But Miami coaches are also hedging their bets, right? These kids haven't been able to go anywhere they may not be able to go anywhere after June. Nobody knows what's good, you know, what the future holds. You know, the numbers in India look crazy. Do, do the variants come here? Does the, is the vaccine not as effective? Does everyone get the vaccine? Even if teams are vaccinated, does that mean that they're not susceptible? Because now some people have had breakthrough virus problems. Um, so June's the month, man. I mean, coaches want kids on campus in June. The kids want to come in June, and they're treating it like. It's the end-all, be-all is June, and every day in June, there will be recruiting news, I promise you. It's going to be crazy. <laughs> and you're going to be all over it like you always are. Uh, I, I do not envy your job. I've told you this before because <laughs> I, I just right. I, I really cannot stand like the way recruiting has just become this, this, this insanity where every day there's, there's news. I want a summer vacation. I want to be able to sit at home and drink beer and not worry about any of this. Uh, you know, obviously I don't cover it as intently as you guys do, but every now and then it's like, okay, I'm going to write a feature on one of these new guys that's coming to Miami. And it's like, you know, I, two of them already dropped out the two commitments they had in this class at defensive tackle. Like I wrote stories on, on both of those guys and they're not coming anymore. And I just, I don't want to waste my time. And, and as a, as a fan, I got to imagine like, it's crazy for them because they love this stuff. But at the same time, it's just so many kids to keep track of because there is only one commitment because Jacory Brown is the only one committed right now. I guess when you, when you look at the class and the fact that they are basically waiting for this, for this moment, for, for official visitors. And, and Manny Diaz has said this to us in these press conferences, like, I'm not really worried that we don't have commitments, right? I'm not worried that, but as a guy who's covered this a long time, what do you think of that approach? Is this the right approach considering the pandemic and this sort of unprecedented time we're living in? Well, listen, I mean, everyone was quick to criticize past coaches who took early commitments from two stars and three stars and even then four stars who would later drop from the class. And now Miami doesn't have that really good backup plan at that position where they can still get a kid because, you know, you just can't recruit a kid like you want to if he's your plan B or plan C because you're, you're never going to tell the kid, oh, yeah, commit now, we need you, blah, 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 when you don't really want them in the class yet. So um, I, I think the approach is correct, and it's especially – um, even more so correct in this particular situation because I honestly think if Miami takes more than 15 kids in this recruiting class, they're making a huge mistake um, that'll hinder the future growth of the program in the sense that, um, you know, the NCAA gave everyone an extra year of eligibility. Uh, if you project even next year and the year beyond that, you know, Miami's going to be pushing close to 100 kids on scholarship with the extra allowances the NCAA is already giving them. Um, the NCAA hasn't announced how big the rosters will be allowed to get, but I mean, they're going to have to let them grow past 100, whether it's just calling it kids that get an extra year or whatever it is. Um, so do you really need, you know, do you really need 
50 to 60 to 70 freshmen and sophomores on your team next year? You know, probably not. Um, so pick and choose, get the best guys that you know are really good quality guys, not projects, at the positions where they can make an impact in the first two to three years, otherwise they wind up leaving anyway, and you wasted the scholarship spot. And with a transfer portal, you know that's not good. And then if you only take 15 kids, um, for those that follow recruiting pretty closely, you know that leaves 10 open spots that you can carry forward or backward if you want to use them, you know, bring in a transfer, for instance, um, in this current, you know, if you want to bring in a linebacker, let's say, transfer it, right? That can count against those extra 10, um, even though you're taking that person now. Uh, and, and if you don't, you know, there's there's going to be great players. 2023 is stacked with talent. 2024 and 2025, they're already giving out offers in those classes, right? Mm-hmm. So you can take 30 kids when you need them in two or three years, and other programs are only going to maybe take, you know, 22 or 23 in those years, and you can stack up. And, and if you get the ball rolling in the right direction and you win some games this year that, that you know, shocks some people this year and next year, uh, top kids want to come. Now you have the space for them, and that's how you really can get Miami – uh, back to the top of the nation uh, perennially and not just have, you know, one 10-win year and then another three or four, you know, seven-win seasons, another 10-win year, you know, like Virginia Tech used to do. So I think the approach is great. I have no problem with one commitment right now. Nobody's seen campus. You don't, you don't want kids committing that are going to take 10 visits and then decide they want to go somewhere else and now you lock up a spot for them, uh, especially when you don't need that many kids in this class. I mean, that's how I'm looking at it. Yeah. Well, and, and I guess in the end, like you said, I mean – they have so many kids on the roster now. You don't necessarily need to, to load up on a bunch of freshmen. And and the transfer portal, I mean, it's going to be hot, right? I mean, that's that's you're going to want scholarships to, to, to pull guys in who decide after the 2021 season, you know what, I still got a year of eligibility left. I want to go to Miami. I've seen a bunch of other guys have success doing it. Let me go do the same thing. Um, and the other thing I would say is, and I haven't studied this obviously as much as you guys have, but I have spent some days, you know, reading everything you guys have been writing. And it, it seems like this class locally isn't as good or as deep as last year's, you know, I, and, and I know there's different rankings, but you know, like I'll use the 247 composite, for instance, because it's a blend of what you guys do and what they do and other publications. But, you know, they, I guess there were 24 what you would call blue chip guys, four or five star guys in the composite rankings last year between Dade and Broward. I just looked at the list now and I counted 14. Now, I know those change, but I think it does tell a story, right? That At least in Dade and Broward, beyond the defensive ends and some of the guys on defense, they're really, it's not like it's loaded this year in South Florida, right? No, 100, you're 100% right. And on top of that, you know, the Armellas, the Earl Littles, I mean, you can go on and on. There's several local kids, you know, uh, Shamar, Stewart, you know, probably aren't going to wind up here. And, uh, you know, when you don't have that many kids in the first place from this area that are, you know, considered, quote-unquote, elite prospects, and again, you know, this is just based on, you know, the rivals experts. They go in and they, they say this kid's a four star, this kid's a five star based on what they've seen in person, based on what they've seen in film. And in person evaluations have not been easy to find right. for some of these guys. So again, there are going to be some diamonds in the rough. Um, but, but the perception I have and from those I talk to, um, as well that, that really know these, you know, these high school kids, the talent level is down locally. In the cycle of 2022. So you, so you do, you have seen Miami go out and, and offer a ton of kids, especially in Georgia, um, you know, where there are some ties with Jess Simpson coming back on the staff and, and in other states. Uh, I can't remember Miami offering kids from all these different regions of the country and, and offering so many kids just to see what sticks. You know, I mean, I've been doing, we try to do, listen, we try to do stories on every single kid that gets an offer. We at least reach out to them twice to see if they're interested in talking to us or doing an interview. Some kids don't like doing interviews, whatever it is it is. 
but we try to do an interview with every single kid that, that's gotten offers. And when I tell you, we've probably done a thousand interviews <laughs> in the last year. Like, I don't think I'm exaggerating. I mean, it's it's been crazy. I haven't seen them give out this many offers in the classes of 2022 to 2025 all over the country like they've been doing. And, and I think it's smart because you want to find the right guys to fit your program. They're doing their evaluations. They're offering top kids. And we're seeing which kids have reciprocal interest and going from there. So, um, so it, it's a different approach for Miami. I think it's the right approach. I think it's the only approach, honestly. And, and now we're going to start to wait and see how it all shakes out because the truth is Miami's not viewed as this elite program in other states. I, I can't tell you how many kids I've talked to. I, I try to ask, you know, all the kids, like, what do you know about the University of Miami's program? Some of them have seen, you know, the 30 for 30. Um, some of them know Ed Reed and Ray Lewis. They can tick off a few players' names. But very few of them know about, you know, the new indoor facility or the academics or what the campus looks like or, or you know, or the, just how avid the fan base is and, and, and all the other things that the national championships, the number of men, not the exact number of national championships when they were won. Like, they don't know the details. And that's something Miami has to overcome because they're no longer this program everyone wants to go to. Like, when you and I were doing this together years and years ago, uh, when they were winning national championships uh, in the early 2000s, for instance, like, kids wanted to come here no matter what. I mean, they could literally reach out to a kid a week before signing day, and they would ha- they would be in that kid's list. You know, like, everyone wanted to come here. Now they have to battle with those programs that are now what Miami was, the Alabamas and LSUs and Ohio States and Georgias that go – for these local Miami kids, it, it's tough right now. Until Miami starts really consistently winning and has the perception uh, that they're that they're for real, you know, quote unquote for real, it's an uphill struggle right now. So, um, so yeah, June's a huge, huge, huge month. Uh, but this is going to go on for a long time. They have to they have to have a great season, or else whatever whatever strides they make in June will evaporate. Yeah. One thing I wrote about recently, and and you and you mentioned, you know, how kids uh, don't think of Miami the way that we knew years and years ago. Um, you know, locally, as we've already talked about, there's a lot of these, you know, the upper tier kids that even coming off an eight and three season and being ranked and, and sort of turning the, the narrative around, uh, it still feels like Miami doesn't have a whole lot of respect. And I just finished writing a story about how, you know, even though Miami's fourth in the Super Bowl era in terms of number of draft picks, okay, all time. And they're, I think they're fourth and first round picks and first and all pros. These are just guys coming out of the draft. Um, kids don't, they, it just hasn't been a recent run of success. And I think a perfect example is the fact that you just had 17 kids drafted from, from Dade and Broward County in this last draft. And one of them, Gregory Rousseau, played for the Hurricanes. That's it. One out of 17. And I, I guess... You know, most fans are going to automatically look at, at, at the top guys in this class and say, well, they may not get a, a, a Julian Armella. They may not get, uh, you, you know, an Earl Little Jr. and some of these other guys that are at the top of this, Kenyatta Jackson, Shamar Stewart, as you mentioned. But I still think it's important, Matt, for them to hit on the three- and two-star guys. And that's something I don't know that Manny Diaz has done enough of or any of the coaches at Miami recently because there are guys – that have gone to other schools out of this area. The kid out of Cooper City uh, that played at Pittsburgh is a perfect example. He just got drafted in the fourth round. Tutu Atwell is another one from nor- uh, from uh, Northwestern that went to Louisville, and he ended up a second-round pick. Do you think, I guess, in the last couple cycles, because this draft only included through 2018, do you think in these last couple cycles Manny has, ma- has made more headway? Or do you think that you know what we're seeing, at least with this, this 2022 class, we, we can't say that it's really changing yet? Well, it's tough 
to say Manny did much last year simply, and not that he didn't, but it's simply because kids couldn't take any visits, and it was a, it was a pretty stacked area um, of talent last year, and, and the kids stayed home because, I mean, look, let's face it, if Thaddeus Franklin and James Williams, for instance, took visits, I don't think they went up at Miami. I mean, they won't tell you that, but talking to people during their recruitment when it was still like they were going to take visits, you know, at, at best 50-50 for Thaddeus, and, and probably worse than that, honestly, for James. So the shutdown helped Miami tremendously. And, and, and Manny Diaz has said that. It's not a secret. I mean, as crazy as it sounds, you know, having these kids not able to take visits meant that all these other schools weren't able to really get face-to-face and take them on their campuses and convince them that they shouldn't stay home. Uh, so last year, I would say it wasn't really on Manny and the staff. It was just a circumstance that really helped the Hurricanes. Um, and then we look at the, the, the couple of prior classes. Like, it's tough to tell. I mean, yeah, great job with Gregory Rousseau. But you look at, you know, I was looking today at some of the transfers they got, and and the problem with transfers, aside from just the overall roster numbers issue, is what you really need to be able to do as a coach is say to a recruit, look who we developed. They came here as a freshman. Here's their film as a freshman. Now look at them as a junior. Look what we turned them into, and they're a first-round draft pick, right? That's what sells families on going to a college nowadays. I mean, it's no longer... Um, trust me, we'll develop you and you'll be great. You know, they want to see it. So other programs can do that right now. But, you know, Jalen Phillips, Quincy Roche, Borg Ellis were transfers, right? I mean, it's yeah. not like Miami developed these kids from nothing. Um, and, 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 you know, that's, that's something, and that's something they're going to have to battle against, you know, and Gregory Rousseau played one year and, and it's great that they found him. Um, but can they make the argument that they really developed him? He was played one year. You can't say, oh, look what he went from in year one to year two, because he didn't have a year two. Right. Uh, he was hurt. He was hurt as a freshman. So, like, that's where they need to get to. They need to get to, you know, look at where this guy was as a freshman. Look at all the mistakes he made. Look at how he was 160 pounds. And now look at him. He's a 205-pounder. He was mauling guys and, and was picked in the top 15 of the draft. We did that, you know, and do that with multiple guys. And when they can point to that, that's going to really offset a lot of the negative recruiting going on against Miami right now, because... There's just not enough guys you can point to and say, wow, look at Manny Diaz and his staff, and look what they turned these guys into, and, and look at these guys making millions in the NFL. I, I mean, you're right. There's guys from the area that were two- and three-star guys that turned out to be, you know, outstanding players, and some of them, um, you know, Anthony Schwartz comes to mind and some others, but, like, some of them we knew were going to be good, right? But just for whatever reason, like, the receivers go drop Likens. There was a couple of guys that he definitely missed on and took, <laughs> you know, Marquez Ezzard and, and the Brian Hightower and, you know, that's who he focused on. You know, he wanted bigger receivers and more physical receivers instead of the speedy guys. But, um, you know, that notwithstanding, there, there's just there's a lot that goes into recruiting. And, yeah. to, you know, to, to say it was many Diaz's fault or not many Diaz's fault or all they didn't discover these kids correctly, it, it's difficult to pin any blame right now. Uh, you really need a, a good four or five year cycle to see how they develop the kids when they get them in. And he's still got another year or two to say, okay, this is working or this is not working. Yeah, and to be fair to Manny, I mean, he didn't technically take over as head coach and start bringing in these new staff members until 2019. And and, and this draft only included up to 2018, right, when Mark Richt was still in charge and he had his guys here. So, you know, that said, I I guess my, my, my point was like, are they starting to turn the tire a little bit? And I think when you look at at least the elite guys in this next 2022 class, you could say no. But I still think there's other areas where they can win, and that's getting the three-star guys and the two-star guys that, that have come out of this area and been drafted and making sure they come here and not elsewhere. And I think that just comes down to being able to evaluate talent. And, and, and maybe my, my point isn't just that, me. The point is also you get in a two- and three-star, you have to develop them. Those right. guys are generally projects. They're either 
they're either tweeners or too light, and then you have to really work with them for a year or two to get them where you want. But that's the whole point. You bring them in and you develop them, right? right? And other programs have done that. But yeah, you're right. I mean, there are guys that are projects that can certainly be developed into outstanding players, but yeah, they have to do it. Right. All right. So I wanted to go position by position with you. And I think we can pretty much breeze by quarterback and running back just because I don't know that they're going to sign a running back. It doesn't look like it. I don't see them in any sort of serious race for anybody from what I've read. And then, of course, they've got Curry Brown, who loves Rhett Lashley and wants to come here because Rhett Lashley is here. So I guess just your thoughts on both of those positions. Do you, do you feel like they will sign a running back or not? And, and, and is Curry Brown, in your opinion, he's, he's a lock to come here? Yeah, oh yeah, I think Jacoby is for sure a lock to come here. I can't imagine him changing his mind no matter what happens. Um, you know, I mean, maybe if Jake Garcia winds up starting somehow and it's amazing, maybe that changes his mind. But, you know, I mean, the kid loves Miami. He came down here. He loved everything about it. Um, at, at running back, I mean, you know, they have a guy on hold, Damari Alston. Um, you know, there's another guy they were talking to. They stopped talking to him. I, my guess is they don't think a running back. You know, Damari told us, they flat out told him, listen, we're just not sure we're taking a running back, you know, <laughs> but he is talking with coaches and we'll see if that develops. But, um, but yeah, one quarterback, I think he's solid and, and probably no running backs in this class. Now receivers interesting, obviously, because I, I think Harley and Rambo, I mean, well, Harley has to go and Rambo has one year eligibility left, but the way I saw Rambo playing in the spring, I thought, okay, this is a guy that could potentially get himself drafted with some of the things we saw him doing in Miami's offense. And I thought, okay, he's obviously got speed and talent. So assuming those guys are gone, and we don't, and who knows what happens with Pope and Wiggins if they stick around or transfer. I mean, you've got a lot of guys coming back that are second and first year guys. So how 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 do you sort of view the recruitment of the receiver position? You know, how many guys do you ultimately think they sign, and who do you think they've got the best shot with? Well, I mean, right now it looks like they're trying to take at least a couple. I mean, they've got you know Quan Lee's coming in for a visit. They've been they've been talking to. Uh, an official visit. They've been coming talking to a ton of kids. There's a local kid, Mike Jackson, they've been talking to, real little speedy guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, you go down the list, there's probably 10 guys. I mean, even Isaiah Bond, they're recruiting him for offense, not for defense. Right. And, um, you know, there was, there was a lot of thought that he was just going to go ahead and, and commit at one point. Uh, but now he's, you know, he's one of the, you know, a lot of these recruits, they sort of just like to enjoy the process, you know. So right. he's definitely he's definitely one of those guys who just sort of wants to be able to have some fun and, and check things out. Um, you know, I think Horton is probably going to come visit officially the first weekend in June, but, like, he's not really locked in on that. I'm not sure they're really going to do that yet um from miami perspective um so we'll see what happens with that um and then rj maryland is like a receiver a big receiver for probably a tight end he's he's russell maryland's kid so he's a kid very much on the radar um so yeah so i mean this is just i mean this is a bunch of a bunch of names right now you know but but really to me the key for miami is the 2023 kids because there's some kids i mean brandon innes is like just going to be a star you Mm -hmm. know in 2023 and and Santana Fleming. I mean, there's just it's it's a loaded 2023 receiver class. So I'm a, you know, I'm not quite sure why they want to take so many receivers. Uh, you know, two or three. I don't think they need it. They have 12 on the roster for this coming season. But you know, maybe you're not sure you're going to get those kids in the 2023 class. You got to hedge your bets a little bit, right? So yeah. In the end, it's not a huge priority. It feels like just because, as we mentioned, that you're going to have seven guys between the last two cycles that that are that, that I guess they're excited about and think are going to be good. So, you know, I guess it's just not a huge need. And, you, and we get to tight end. Tight end is kind of interesting just because, obviously, it was a, it, I want to call it a shit spring for Miami and tight end because it pretty much was. It was crazy. Have you ever seen a, a spring where there's not a single 
uh, tight end that's available that's on that's on um, you know that's on scholarship in the spring game. Like I've never seen that in my life. No, and and it was so weird. Just uh, like not not to get anything out of anybody really. I mean, Larry, the whole Larry Hodges thing. Being arrested and basically just disappearing off into the. Di- I love the way the coaches never mentioned him. By the way, it was just sort of this. Yeah. E- even though even though questions were asked, you know, they never said yeah. a single thing about yeah. it. Um, yeah. But uh, it, it, but there are guys they're targeting. Um, some and they're all from other parts of the country. Uh, I saw Caden Helms is one. I guess he's going to visit uh, the kid out of uh, Nebraska. Anthony Jones from Nevada, I think, is another one that they were looking at, and then Maryland. Who do you do you think they just end up taking one in this cycle, most likely? I mean, it depends who wants to come. You know, it's it's like we were talking about before. It's like if you can get the guys, you get the guys. You know, like they were looking at a guy, Oscar Delt. They're not going to get him, but I mean, like they're they're looking for guys, Mm -hmm. right? And and recruiting's not over. I mean, they're still looking and evaluating. There's still new offers going out in this class. Right. So it's not it's not like this thing's over and done with. Like, and people think, oh, you know, this is the only people are going to offer. No, like they're still um, going to be evaluating guys. There's still a season to be played um, next year. But I, I think their their top choice right now, if they can get him, would be Anthony Jones. He's coming in that first weekend of June, and then they got another tight end coming in the following weekend. Um, like you mentioned, Helms, and I mentioned RJ Maryland already. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a kid they've been talking to out of Texas, Trent McGoffey. So I mean, there's there's a lot of guys out there at tight end. And I think if two of them that they really like want to come, I wouldn't be shocked if they if they take two. Um, yeah. You know, just because of what's happening with tight end right now, it sort of probably opened their eyes a little bit. Like, geez, you know. <laughs> yeah. They could probably use, and especially Will Mallory would be gone. I mean, they could use uh, some help with tight end if, if they don't love what they already have. I mean, you know, it's one thing if Elijah Arroyo and Khalil Brantley pan out and are amazing this year. Like, that'll make them feel a little better about it. But I think they'll have a better idea. As the fall goes along, how many kids they need to take a tight end? Wouldn't shock me if they take two, but one's probably more likely. Now they're going to have 165 starts on the offensive line in terms of returning experience. By the way, I added it up. It's 169. 169. Okay, so yes. it, was, it was incorrectly yeah. well, added up. I include Jared Williams at Houston because right. there's some confusion over how many games he started, but I went back and actually looked. So yeah, there was a few extra he started, but yeah. Okay, so you so you've got essentially eight guys that are part of the rotation, that are all going to be draft eligible. Uh, not that all of them are going to leave, but, you know, it feels like you look and you say, okay, there could be an exodus here, right? <laughs> there could be a lot of uh, – how many guys do you think they end up taking in this class on the offensive line? Is, and is that the number one priority, you think, in terms of when you look at positions on offense, in terms of what they need to fill? Well, I mean, I, you know, I'm talking to recruits. It's weird. Like, I'm talking to recruits, and they keep telling me that Garen Justice is telling them that they're losing four offensive linemen this year. Mm-hmm. And you look at the roster, and it doesn't look like they should be losing four, but I guess they're assuming Zion Nelson's going pro, and right. maybe, you know, DJ Skates leaves early. I guess they're assuming something like that. Right. Um, so, you know, if they do lose four guys, um, you know, I, I do think they would take three to four offensive linemen, you know, to fill those spots. There's no reason not to, especially with some of the talent out there. But, you know, the problem they're going to face is just getting those kids here. Like, they're all going to be probably out-of-state guys. I just don't see Julian Armella coming. Um, you know, they got a guy, Malik Agbo, coming from Washington, all the way from Washington, for an official visit, like, the beginning of June. Um, they, they are setting up visits for some of these guys. They have, like, a late Nelson is coming June 11th. is one of his three official visits. Um, they've been chasing down Zach Wright. I don't think that's happening. Daughtry Richardson, I think, is going to FSU, um, just from what I'm hearing. But they're chasing him pretty hard. Um, you know, and, and there's other guys on the radar, too. So, like, you know, 
Oh, and Cameron Williams, another offensive lineman, taking a, an official visit um, mm-hmm. in the middle of June. So I mean, yeah. So I mean, there, there's definitely bodies there. I think they'll wind up taking three, maybe four, depending if the right guys want to come in. Um, but it's to be determined. You know, the, the problem right now is people ask us who's going to be in the class. It's like anyone who tells you who's going to be in the class right now is just making it up. Like <laughs> these kids are going right. to take all their visits, and like then we'll know. Right. And Miami's still setting up these visits. So again, it's like I know I know fans want to know who's going to be in the class and who's most likely to be in the class, but it's like impossible. Like you can just make it up and tell people names, but it's like just impossible to say right now. It really is. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and still, you guys are doing a great job interviewing all these kids and getting some perspective, but we know, you and I know from doing this for so long, things are going to change drastically after they take visits. Like, it's just automatic thing. A parent likes a particular coach, they like a particular campus better, and all of a sudden you think one guy's going here, and the next thing you know, he's going there. So it's going to be it's going to be crazy. Um, let's talk defense before I let you go, man. Just uh, defensive line. Uh, obviously a couple tackles are probably going to be gone Ford and Silvera. We don't know what's going to happen with Jordan Miller and Harrison Hunt. I would assume that they would come back next year. And then of course you got the great Leonard Taylor on the horizon. Um, it, it doesn't seem like defensive tackle is like an area they're hurting for defensive end though. I mean, that, that's an area where I think they could use an upgrade. And we've already mentioned Shamar Stewart and some of these other guys probably not coming here. Marvin Jones, Kenyatta Jackson, yeah. Uh, who do you who do you think like who do they honestly have a best shot right now before the okay, trip so takes place? <laughs> yeah. So now you're asking the question I was you can't ask, but I, yeah. I do feel good about Nigel Leak Kelly and and Dante Anderson. I mean, Nigel Leak was an FSU commit. I mean, I, I, he won't say it, but I, I'm pretty sure Miami's his leader right now. And, and Dante Anderson and Daniel Lyons, to me, they've always wanted to be Hurricanes, and mm-hmm. Miami would have to like basically show them why they shouldn't come and just do something wrong, you know, like lose a lot of games or just something crazy would have to happen um, for them not to come. So, uh, you know, I, I do feel good about those three guys. Um, so, you know, and then I do think the Lions taking probably four on the line. I think they'll take another defensive tackle at least. Mm-hmm. Um, cer- certainly they can, use, <laughs> they can use all the help they can get. I mean, we've, we've seen this line just not be real good, right? Mm-hmm. And, and something has to change um, with that. So, you know, I mean, a guy like maybe an Alton Barber, for instance, who doesn't really talk to anybody, but mm-hmm. he's a guy who I think likes Miami and, you know, we'll just have to keep monitoring. Right. See how that, how that pans out. Um, yeah. Linebacker is interesting, obviously, because we know that, I mean, it, it doesn't feel like the, the level of talent at that position is where you want it to be. I know they flirted with Jawan Mitchell, the kid out of Texas, in the transfer portal. And I got to tell you, as an, as an aside, just – you know, I can share it here on the podcast, but just the weirdest situation. The kid was super nice to me. I talked to him for a while. He tells me, yeah, Manny Diaz basically told me they don't want me. Uh, and, and so I tweet that out, that he's basically not going to Miami, and he freaks out. And he's like, why would you put that out there? And I'm like, you told me you were done with Miami, you know? <laughs> so Yeah, well, see, that's the problem. Like, you know, they're, they're still, at the end of the day, they're still kids. They don't necessarily... Yeah quote-unquote get it you know so yeah but yeah, that's a tough situation yeah I, mean, I talked to him too I mean, he's a, look he's a nice kid and yeah he doesn't you know he, he, he did want to come to miami um you know i think i think miami's still trying to get a linebacker in the portal but it's to be determined you know right we'll see whether or not they do it that said they, they like a lot of the and it seems like they're in the running for some decent kids at linebacker yeah. in this 22 class but wesley basanti i spoke to him at, at, at that under armor camp uh, and, yep. and Omar Graham, the kid out of Stranahan. I, 
I, I didn't talk to Lathan out of Gulliver Prep, but I mean, those are three guys locally that you would say, okay, you have to give Miami some sort of a shot at those guys. What do you think at, at linebacker going into the visits and all that, where they stand, what, you know, best with guys? Yeah, I mean, this is one of those situations where I do think they can get three top local kids. Uh, the three you mentioned, you know, uh, Graham, Lathan, the Saints. I mean, those kids like Miami. I mean, Lathan might be the, the toughest to get out of the three to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just because, like, you know, LSU's going on pretty hard, Florida's going after him pretty hard, and it seems pretty wishy-washy. Um, but, you know, I, I feel pretty good that they get at least two of those three, maybe all three. And then there are some other guys also from out of state. Um, yeah, I saw DeMario. Devin Smith comes from also from in-state, but... Yeah. Well, I was going to say DeMario Tolan out of Orlando, Justin yes, Medlock correct. out of out of uh, Derek King's High School in Texas. Uh, there's a kid out of Tampa, Gaither, and then Ish Harris, another kid out of Texas. Um, that, those are all guys that I saw that are in the running for. So, But, I mean, it feels like at least right now they're in a pretty good spot to, to address that position. And maybe that's because guys know that they can come in and probably play, right? <laughs> I mean, there's no doubt about it. Yeah. You know? So so we'll see. I mean, you know, Tolan, Bedlock, even, even Kobe McLeod, you know, who's playing as a like, you know, there's there's a lot of kids they're going to come down and visit. The problem is, again, these are all kids who are being recruited, you know, LSUs, FSUs, you know, um, you know, Penn State, Michigan, Auburn. So it, it's, it's a battle. You know, it's a battle. And Miami is getting all these kids to come visit in June. Right. Um, so that's going to go a long way towards us finding out. That's why June's going to be so great. It's not just about them coming on campus. It's where do things stand, not just after those Miami visits. But okay, now you visit this school, now you visit that school, now where does Miami stand, right? Because these kids are visiting five to ten schools in the month, and every single visit, from a Miami perspective, well, now where do you stand? Well, now where do you stand, right? So it's just like, it's going to be crazy. Yeah, and we'll wrap it up here with the secondary. Um, Obviously, at at cornerback, you've got a couple guys. I would assume Tyreek Stevenson won't be here in 22. I guess his plan is to go pro after this season, even though he hasn't said anything. I would assume that's what he's thinking. Um, and then who knows what happens with DJ Ivy and Al Blades, and even to Corey Couch. Who knows if they decide to leave or not? I don't know. Um, but it seems like cornerback Miami's in a good shape because they've got at least you know four first and second year guys sort of waiting in the wings to to sort of progress and grow. So I don't think they're going to be in terrible shape in 22. Uh, and one thing I've noticed, like they're going after top notch guys at cornerback, out of state guys, like you mentioned, you know, and po- probably a lot of this because of Travis Robinson, guys like. Kamari Rogers and Chaquan Fagans out of Alabama, and 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 so I I guess I mean I it seems to me like Jacoby Spells, a kid out of Heritage, they're they're in pretty good shape with him. Um, how many cornerbacks do you think they end up taking, and and I guess who would you give them the the, the best shot at? Well, again, it comes back to who wants him, but yeah, I would think they would take probably three corners. Um, and I, I do I do like chances with Spells. Um, I think Chris Graves might be a guy that winds up in a class. Wouldn't shock me. Terrell Mullen, if they really want him, mm-hmm. will come. So the question is, you know, how much they actually like him. He's, you know, the funny thing with him, if, I don't know if you met him, but he looks like, you know, I, I covered Demarcus Van Dyke, who's now the cornerback coach. I covered him in high school. Right. I mean, Terrell Mullen looks just like Demarcus Van Dyke did in high school. Yeah. He's 150 pounds soaking wet. So, like, it's pretty funny when I look at, look at him and, and, and cover DVD, and you can sort of see why DVD likes this kid, right? Right. He looks just like he did. Um, but yeah, I would think they take three. I, again, I mentioned before, you know, I, I think Earl Little's a long shot. Um, so, you know, if they can get spells and, and, and maybe sneak in a Fagans, uh, I, I still think Rogers might be a little bit of a long shot. But, right. um, you know, Nick Hull or Mullen, you know, and they'll be okay at corner. I like, I like all those guys who are recruiting at corner. Um, 
you know, and then there are some good safeties. Like, they're calling it safety. Like, they're recruiting some top safeties. Like, right. you know, people all want to talk about Kamari Wilson. There's also, you know, Marquise Williams. I mean, there's, there's a bunch of them. But the problem with safety is, like, when there's other top programs in the picture, all they got to do is point to Miami's safety room and say, James Williams and Avante Williams, right? Right. And, like, it, it might put off some of these guys. So that's a problem. So, you know, I would think maybe one safety in this class, right. you know, would be what they take. So... You know, it's going to be interesting to see how these numbers play out. Because, again, I, I, like I said before, I don't think they need more than 15 in this class. You know, so when you're asking, like, how many do you think they'll take here or there, like, they don't really need, you know, need, uppercase need, a lot of guys, period, in this class. And these guys aren't going to come in, like, in past classes, and they're going to, you know, start off from day one. None of them really are needed to start in year one or, or probably even in year two with just the way the roster is going to shape up, unless they're just off the charts that much better than everyone else. So, you know, the numbers we're mentioning are if top guys want in. Like, I, I hope Miami doesn't dip down to their number 10 wanted prospect in some position just because they want the number because they shouldn't panic at any of these positions um, for this recruiting class in particular. You know, I, I would wait till 2023 to, to, to fill spots if you can't get the guys you really want. That's, that's what I would do if I was Miami. Last one, and we'll let you go with this, Matt. How do you think they're doing so far in 23? Do you think they're sitting in better position with, with some of the more elite guys down here? As you mentioned, Brandon Innes, all those other guys. Uh, yeah. It seems like that's a deeper class in 23. Yeah, well, it's interesting. You know, we, we had the Rivals camp not that long ago, and there was a ton of top 2023 kids there. Um, and they, they all like Miami. You know, They all have Miami high in their picture early on. Um, the question here is, and it's, it's really yet to be answered, like Miami's offered so many kids in the class of 2023. I mean, it's, uh, I'm guessing, but I gotta think it's over 200 kids, okay? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that, that's how many it feels like I've called. And the question is, who do they actually wind up going after, right? Because you wind up going after 40 or 50 kids and you hope that 20 to 25 of them wind up in your class, right? That's typically what they do. So, the kids that they target, you know, you, you know some of the top kids already, um, it, you, but but we'll have to wait and see. You know, the good news is these kids are all interested right now. Um, there's going to be a ton of them. They're having an underclassman barbecue June 2nd for these kids, so we'll have a lot of follow-up interviews with them after that and sort of get more on how they feel about Miami. But you have to remember, these kids haven't been on Miami's campus since at the, at the latest when they were freshmen, so they're very impressionable still. They haven't seen a lot of other campuses at all. And uh, until they see other programs, all they know is Miami right now because they're from here. So uh, until that happens, it's just hard to say where Miami actually is going to fit in with any of these kids. Yeah. Matt, you were great, man. I really appreciate all the time you gave me. Make sure you, you go and read all of his work at canesport.com. If you're a recruiting nut, uh, make sure you subscribe and, and, and listen to him because he knows what he's talking about. He's been doing a great job with recruiting for so many, many years, as well as covering the team, you and Gary. Uh, Furman, uh, I really enjoy working with you guys over the years, and uh, you do great work. So I just wanted to bring you on. I didn't want to just come and, and read all your stuff and steal it all. I wanted to make sure I gave you some <laughs> some some limelight here, you know. Uh, I, just because, I, listen, I talk to the kids, but not nearly as much as you do. And when I do, I go there looking for stories, not you know, hey, where are you taking your visits and what are you doing with this and that, you know. So I, I come at it from a totally different perspective, but but certainly you you feed the beast, man, and and, and we thank you for that. Thanks, Manny. Anytime. All right. So you heard our long interviews with both Matt Shodell of Kane Sport and Gabby Urrutia of 247 Sports Inside the U. Uh, two guys who do a great job covering recruiting. 
Uh, that's going to wrap it up for this episode here on Wide Right. We will be back next week <clears throat> with somebody who evaluates this talent, uh, not just talks to recruits, but they, he actually goes out and sees them. Charles Fishbein of Elite Scouting Services, who we've had on before. We'll talk to Charles about who some of the top recruits are in South Florida, what he thinks of them, who he thinks might be overrated, underrated, etc. Be sure to stick around. Good interview with Charles coming up next week. Three, oh, five. Six eight. This is the state of Miami. Y'all know y'all come down that way.